we made a late afternoon evening run to the to Menards, the green store, uh, to uh, get a couple parts for the for the old rugged cross here because we needed to put a little light on it last night. And um, you know, we we're also looking for some stuff for our projects. It's hard to find stuff for outdoors right now because it's all Christmas. You notice that? It's all. It's been Christmas since August, if I remember right. But so. Who's ready for Christmas, by the way? Anybody ready for Christmas? What 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 do you still have to do to be ready for Christmas? Everything. Everything? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I got through Halloween, right? Yeah. Right. Right? Yeah. What you haven't shopped yet? You haven't you haven't done all that? No, I, I I'm the same way. And I tell you what, Amazon has so enabled me. I am a total guy, so you used to see me at the mall on December twenty third. Now you don't have to do that. You can see me online at December twenty second amazing stuff but we can't blame the stores they've been stocked and uh, for us not being ready because they've they've had everything ready to go on full display for for weeks if not months but we'll we'll come back to this i was just amazed to walk through there and just see you know that santa had thrown up all over the middle section of menards yesterday but when i started preparing this message i, I wanted to share what scripture says about god accepting us and I envisioned an, an encouraging message about God's offer of unconditional love for the, for the person we are at this moment, right? Which is far from perfect because God knows us, right? He knows our faults. He also knows our potential and, and he loves us. This is important because he also knows, um, because we can't fully accept ourselves. I'm sorry, we can't fully accept ourselves if we can't understand that God does, right? Isn't it hard to, to accept ourselves, but a little easier once we know that God does. And, and likewise, if we can't fully love ourselves, if we can't understand why God loves us, and equally as important, why does he love us and, and how does he love us? These two concepts could alleviate so much unnecessary anxiety and unhappiness in our lives if we could remember them as the truths that they, they are. And then if we can love and accept ourselves, we can more easily love and accept others. And that's not just psychology, it's scriptural fact. And it would solve a lot of these things we're seeing and hearing in the news uh, and things that aren't making to the news about the, the, the rioting, the dissension. Because we can't love and accept each other. You know, there's a pretty good chance about half the country is going to be real upset on a Wednesday morning in early November, right? Are we going to love and accept each other or is it going to be an ugly couple of years? You know, it was easy for me to find God's own words to remind us of these truths. And of course, we can rely on John 3.16 as the ultimate proof of God's love for us. You know, that he would send his own son to the world to save those who accept the offer that is Jesus Christ. And in 1 Peter 2.9, those who accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior are described as a chosen people, right? God favors them. A royal priesthood. God's special possession who are called out of darkness and into his wonderful light. <clears throat> One that brings us comfort when we struggle with the promise that God accepts us unconditionally is found in Romans 5.8. It says, but God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died. Now there's comfort. How many of us say, I'll just, I just need to get better before I can look at God in the eye? Or have we, we've heard or heard others say, you know, I, I got to work out some stuff before I can set foot in church. No, this is where you work that stuff out. This is where you work that stuff out. Because it 
Jesus is the one who does the work. If you could do it on your own, you would have done it by now, right? right. Romans 15, 7, accept one another then as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Do you see how the love and acceptance of God through Christ flows down to us and then through us as we love and accept others? The truth is that we all want to feel accepted. The desire to fit in lies within all of us, right? We want to be liked and we want to belong. And in our Wednesday night Bible study, we've talked about that. So many of us are all about making sure that we please others, that people like us and accept us and don't reject us. And that's tough. That's tough because sometimes the message God calls us to share with others, even this message of good news and peace, it puts us in a position where we're gonna, we may get rejected, right? In our lives, we may try on different identities, you know, we're this person at work, we're this person at home, we're this person at church, which should all be the same, right? But drop a hammer on your foot in those three situations, see what happens, right? And we search for our best fit, you know? Where, where's the real me? What, where do I fit in? You know, what, what group do I belong to? But when we listen to our soul, when we listen to the way God wired us, we hear a voice that tells us we don't belong here. Or there or there. I mean, we do belong here. But you know what I'm saying? We don't belong here on earth. And we don't belong, don't belong to that club. We don't belong to that uh, whatever it may be. Because we aren't meant to. We belong to God and we belong with God. And until we seek our acceptance from him, we'll always feel just a little bit like an outsider. God has created within us certain needs and certain desires and an internal wiring that can't be fulfilled with stuff although we try. It can't be filled with accomplishments, although we try. And real uh, happiness, real joy is not the same superficial happiness, but we sure try. I mean, God's placed certain size holes within us and we can cram it full of stuff and we can feel pretty good. But if it's not the stuff that God designed to fit in that spot, <clears throat> it just doesn't work right. The Bible speaks of our desire to find our place in this world and God's constant reminder that we cannot do so until we know that our place is with him. Listen to these words found in Matthew 6, 19 through 24. You've heard these before. It says, Do not store up yourselves treasure on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. He continues, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? He goes on, you've heard this, no one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the others. You cannot serve both God and money. Now this message isn't about money. This message isn't about stuff. God blesses us. With stuff. God blesses us with money. He does. Right? Money's not the root of all evil. It's the love of money. It's, stuff isn't the root of all evil. It's, it's the love of stuff. God blesses you with stuff. What are you going to do with your stuff? What are you going to do with your money? Are you going to use it for a good purpose? You have a nice car. Are you keeping it to yourself? Or are, you, are you driving around and serving others? You know, you've got nice things. You've got a nice house. Are you welcoming others into it? Are you showing hospitality, entertaining angels, as scripture calls it? What are you doing? Stuff is not bad, but it doesn't fill that hole. You know, the, that hole is filled with what you do with that stuff. 
But anyway, Scripture goes on and tells us not to worry about our lives and gives us some examples of our everyday worries and, and how God takes care of them for other parts of creation. You know, he says, I take care of that stuff for the birds. You're much more valuable to me than that. But then he says these words found in verse 33. We just sang them earlier or played them earlier. It says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Right? Life can feel like this big game of whack-a-mole. Okay? I've got this problem, I clobber it. I've got this problem, I clobber it. I have this need, I clobber it. Right? And if you're doing that, you're always chasing the thing you don't have. But when you focus on God, when you focus on, on that and you realize what you truly need, some of that stuff takes care of itself. Some of that stuff you realize isn't that big of a deal. And God just kind of takes care of those things. And you don't spend your life pursuing and clobbering. You spend your life enjoying you're not going to love or accept yourself until you come to realize that God himself loves and accepts you beyond comprehension. So going after these individual things isn't going to solve your problem or make you feel better. But the one big thing that is, is knowing that God loves you. God accepts you. So here's the good news. You're, you're never going to belong here. You're never going to fit in. You'll never fit in here. You'll always be, be an outsider. And that's good news because you don't want to belong here on this earth. You weren't created to fit in here, and your citizenship is not here. It's in heaven. The world, it's a great place to visit, right? It, God has done a wonder creating it. It's amazing what he has done, and we should enjoy it for the time we are here. But we don't want to spend an eternity here. That's not what we're called to do. That's, what, that's not what it's about. And if you think that's all there is, that's not encouraging. That's depressing. But speaking of creation, let's go back to the very first book of the Bible in Genesis 4. We, we hear the story of Cain and Abel. Now, these are the first two born of Adam and Eve. And Cain was an angry and jealous man <clears throat> to the point that he actually ended up killing his brother. But God spoke to him directly before this, and we find these words in, in verses 6 and 7. God says, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. God knows what lies in your heart, and he warns us to do what is right, or, or else we're subject to the consequences of sin, and that's just the way it is. The prophet Isaiah warns us in 59.2, but your iniquities, okay, these are your, your flaws, your failures, these iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you. And so that he does not hear. It's a pretty serious consequence. And Micah 3, 4 describes the separation this way. Then they will cry to the Lord, but he will not answer them. He will hide his face from them at that time because they have made their deeds evil. How can these verses be true? How can this book, this, this owner's manual for our life, that is supposed to be so positive and encouraging, say these things? We know that God loves us unconditionally and he wants to bless us in this world and be united with us forever in the next. So how can the same God who cannot be a part of sin accept us who are sinners? How can the same God who hides his face, as it says, from our evil deeds, love us? Who is, uh, and, and we've been influenced by this fallen world. How can the same God who exiled the first of his creation from the paradise of Eden claim to have an eternal place in paradise for each one of us? And how can the same God who bears the brunt of our anger and fears, right? Don't we sometimes clench our fists and go, God, why? I don't get it. 
You know, we often do that even to the point of rejection. How can he remain faithfully at our side and in control? I'll tell you, it's because of love. I mean, that's powerful. John 3.16, my friends, that's everything you need to know about it. That's how much he loves you. That the same God can do that. And he sent his son to save you. For God knew the only way to remain connected to you despite all the good and true reasons that he shouldn't is to bridge that gap between perfection and humanity. If God can't be a part of sin, if God can't show his face to these certain things, he's got to find a way to connect that. And that is through, the, through his son. And that bridge that, that gaps us has a name. It's Jesus Christ. And that miraculous gift has a name too, and it's grace. It's grace. And this is why salvation is so important. And salvation begins with you accepting the gift of Jesus Christ. And it is reciprocated by God accepting you regardless of your past. And accepting you even though your life may currently be a mess. Friends, the Bible doesn't contradict itself. Not if you know it well enough. It is possible for the same perfect God to keep his promises and to keep his purity. Listen to some of the explanation and assurances found in the New Testament, made possible by the New Covenant. Ephesians 1, 3-6. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption of sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. Jesus is the bridge. Jesus makes it possible for him to look at us and see us as holy and blameless in his sight. For him to predestine us into adoption as a child of God. And this grace that he had says, he has freely given to us. But Colossians 1, 21, 22, Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. Yeah, the opposite of love is sin. The opposite of love is, is enemy, right? But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. 1 John 16, 7. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. Now, there's another translation. I love this one. It says, grace upon grace. You just think about, this is the grace I need, and it's grace upon grace and grace, because we need it over and over and over again. It says, for the law was given through Moses. The law was given through Moses. And, and we know the law, thou shalt not. But grace, the forgiveness, that gap, is through Jesus Christ. Truth, the understanding of the law and who God is, is through Jesus Christ. Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Psalm reminds us that the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above earth, so great is his love who fear him. And I love this. And as far as the east is from the west, if you think about that, it just, just keeps going. So far, he has removed our transgressions from us. He remembers them no more. And again, 
God did this while we were still sinners, while we are still sinners. You know, Christ died, and the gift wasn't just the life of Christ. It wasn't him coming miraculously. It wasn't him living this example and teaching for the few years that he did. It is also his death and his work after he is risen that makes power. He has overcome the world. He's overcome sin. He has overcome death itself. He has risen. He is up there with, with, with his father as an advocate on your behalf. And he's a great advocate. Not only because he knows you, not only because he knows what you've done, but he also knows the father and he knows how to make that appeal on your behalf. And there is no one I want making my appeal, not even myself, other than Jesus. And this is why Easter is so important to us. If it weren't for the gift of Jesus, the sacrifice on the cross and the resurrection, which defeated death itself, the story of Christmas would be miraculous, but less impactful. Jesus had to come and do all the things that God sent him here to do in order for him to be the person that God needed him to be. And we need him to be too. And you remember how I started this message, I asked if you were ready for Christmas. I'm going to ask you again, in the way that it really matters, are you ready for Christmas? It's not about buying the gifts, it's about accepting the gift. I told you that when I began preparing this message, I intended to focus on God's acceptance of us. Right? I'm going to, I'm going to tell you guys an encouraging story about how God loves you and accepts you no matter what. And as I've shared so far, you can hear the truth that God has a desire and an ability to accept you as you are without tarnishing his own holiness. That's pretty cool. And as I prayerfully considered the words of the message, I kept thinking that the power and importance of acceptance isn't really God's acceptance of us. For him, that's pretty easy to do. I love you. I created you. I accept you. Now, now knock it off, right? <clears throat> See, it's easy for him to do because he made you and he loves you and, and he wants an eternity with you. He created a perfect way to accomplish this. For him, it, it really isn't even a question. Since he loves you, he accepts you, period. The power and importance of acceptance is in the variable that stands on our side. And this is what I started realizing as I'm preparing this message. It says, if we want to experience the love and acceptance of God, because it's guaranteed, but if we want to experience it, we must accept his offer of salvation. Right? This means accepting Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. In my opinion, it's a no-brainer. simple. It's hard. But it's really simple. Do you want to have blessings in your life? Do you want to stand in favor of the one who knows, sees, and controls all? Don't you want that guy on your side? Do you want an eternity in place that's described as what no eye has seen, no ear has heard, or what no human mind has conceived? That's how great it is. Which reminds me of a story. An old lady was on a flight. She was sitting beside a young businessman. And after the in-flight meal was, was served, uh, that's how you know this isn't a real story. They don't do that anymore. But anyway, <laughs> she pulls out her Bible and she's reading a devotion. <clears throat> and the businessman glances at her and says, uh, do you believe all that stuff, all that stuff in that book? you really think that's true? She says, well, yes, as a matter of fact, I do. Yeah, right. The man scoffed. Like, what's that guy's name, the one who got swallowed by the whale? And she says, Jonah? Yeah, Jonah. I mean, how do you actually survive for three days in a fish's bowel? And she goes, I don't know, but I can ask him when I see him in heaven someday. <laughs> Clever answer. 
feeling smart, the man says, okay, but what if he's not in heaven because he went to hell? And she says, well, then you can ask him. <laughs> not a real story. <clears throat> but it is a real point. It's a choice. A choice that we must make continually. Not, not just every day, but in every situation. I am here. I need to decide what to do, what to say, what to think. Am I going to follow Christ or am I going to go on my own and then do what, what, you know, what the world or my gut says? Today I will accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior and act accordingly. I'm going to be bold. I'm going to make good choices. I'm going to give him the glory and I'm going to be prepared to tell others for the hope that I have. That's what I'm going to do. And then when I face the next situation where I have that opportunity, I'm going to be bold. I'm going to make good choices. I'm going to give him the glory and I'm going to be prepared to tell others about the hope I have. This ties right into last week's message about professing with your mouth. You know, this I believe. It's an offer. It's an acceptance. It's, a, it's an offer of salvation, as Revelation 3.10 says. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. That's acceptance. He's knocking. He was inviting you. You're accepting. You have a mutual acceptance. You're sitting down together. And it's an acceptance in faith, as Ephesians 2.8 says. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. But it starts with faith, your acceptance of Jesus Christ. So let's be ready for Christmas. Not, not in the Menards version of Christmas, but in God's version of Christmas that says, Jesus Christ, come. I accept you. You've been once. You're coming again. I'm ready. I'm ready. And I've chosen you. Let's pray. Father God, I've said it before, life is full of so many choices and so many opportunities. Will I face this day, will I face this moment with a boldness, with a courageousness that comes from the hope and faith that you've instilled in my soul? Or will I try to pursue the things that I think will make me happy? Lord, you have accepted us for who we are because you have made us. And Lord, as we continue to seek you, you continue to make us not who we are, but into something that is more like who you are. Father God, this comes with bumps along the road. We pray for patience and you teach us a valuable lessons in patience. You, we, we pray for uh, increasing our faith and you teach us a valuable lessons in needing to rely on our faith. So God, we know that we will be tested over time. But God, we also know that you promised to be with us through all of this. We stand on these promises that say that, that we have an eternity with you in heaven, that your son, this wonderful advocate, has gone ahead of us to make our case and to judge us fairly by the words we say, by the actions we take. And Lord, we thank you for the gift of grace. We are sorry that it cost your son and his life but we are so grateful for that sacrifice. Lord, I continue to pray for this church and this congregation, all who are here this morning, those who are listening online, those who couldn't make it. Lord, as we go about our week this week, may we be ever reminded that there's a choice to be made, and that choice is on our side if we accept you. When we accept you, then the abundance of your love Grace, acceptance, blessing surrounds us. 
grace upon grace as you describe it. Abounding in love as you describe it. We want these for ourselves and we want them to flow so graciously through our lives that we, we show them to others. We can't help but profess love and acceptance for others. And what a different place this world would be when we get this managed. Lord, I thank you for being here today. I thank you for who you are. May all we do continue to please you. May we be blessed for our efforts in seeking you and salvation through your son, Jesus Christ. Amen.